With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a bill that puts your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The White House, how do you assuage said bedwetting? Oh, yeah. Look, uh, I'm a Biden supporter, I, and I slept like a baby last night. I woke up every two hours crying and went to bed. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is terrible for Democrats. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. It's time for our main. Welcome back to the Ruthless Friday program. I am Josh Holmes, along with Comfortably Smug, Michael Duncan, and John Ashbrook, uh, coming to you live here in the part of the year where we're sans football, uh, which means, you know, we're going to focus on other things. Mm -hmm. uh, good thing we have a program that deals with an awful lot of that. Yeah. Uh, what Paul Begala, a longtime Democratic strategist, former Clinton official, in the early 90s was referring to quite obviously at the top of the program uh, was the press conference that the president of the United States conducted last Thursday, where he reaffirmed basically all of the suspicions and innuendo that was provided by a special counsel about his men mental competency. And I mean, I said it before, um, if if they had not gone through with having that press conference, if they would have let just the special counsel's report say, oh, you know, this strikes me as a uh, old man who has a bad memory so you know I, I can't really charge the guy he's not fit to stand trial essentially if if they would have just let that hang in the news you know we'd have had one day of dunking on him <laughs> but the decision that they made to have a press conference where he confuses mexico and egypt and can't remember where he was like i have a good memory you know i got this rosary when my son died from our lady of um uh but anyways guys i have a great memory <laughs> So, you know, if he had not done that, yeah. it would have been a, a one-day story, right? And then the next day, you know, we'd go on to something else. That press conference trying to show that he is not mentally unfit was more convincing an example that he is mentally unfit than anything that's happened so far in his entire presidency of all time. That Biden existed, he has never looked more feeble and incapable of doing the job, let alone running again to do the job. And it continues, like the discussion continues throughout the weekend. Today, the main focus of all of politics is Joe Biden is clearly not well. Smash, you've staffed an awful lot of principals over the years in some pretty tough news cycles. And more often than not, when somebody's taking it to the face, they have an emotional reaction. And your job as a staff is to try to protect that emotional reaction from making a situation worse. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your take on the way that White House handled this? Very simple. Uh, when the president, not only, you know, he'd, he'd had his press conference and it was a disaster and he started walking toward the door and he <laughs> did a pivot and walked back to the podium. At that point, I think I would have... You go for the malt box? I think I would have pulled the plug. <laughs> 
and just sorry guys the lights are out we're gonna bring him back up hold on service needs to get the president out of here for safety reasons <laughs> he doesn't do it nobody does well in the dark nobody we'll bring him back out when he's ready <laughs> But you already have your, you already have everything. And, and honestly, that would have been a vast improvement over what happened. Or just, or just office linebacker. The entire camera stands. I, 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 <laughs> I, oops, I tripped. Oh, I'm so sorry. I think that's your only option because it, it's hard to save somebody from disaster when they think they're killing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got it, yeah. Like he's that far gone. Like to have the confidence to like to roll back out there. Like, oh, they want more. You know, like he's. It's just horrible. It was like, uh, what was it? The the former Virginia governor who got caught in blackface. Yeah, Northam. And then he has a press conference. And he's like, do you guys want me to do the moonwalk? And his star like, please, make him stop. Someone grab him. Like, he needed Northam staff there with him. Because they know when someone's lost their mind, you have to stop them. I forgot about that. I mean, there's been a lot of really memorable press conferences where somebody just reaffirms every problem that they've had during it. Yeah. But very few at this level. Right. The White House, generally speaking, does a pretty good job of protecting a principle from a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. In this one, no protection at all. I mean, they just he they sent him right back out there. And within moments, he reaffirms what we now know. And look, here's the here's the polling. You're not going to believe this. You're, you're simply not going to believe this. An overwhelming majority of Americans, this is according to ABC News, Mm -hmm. an overwhelming majority of Americans think President Joe Biden is too old to serve another term. We've known that for quite some time. Uh, According to the new ABC News Ipsos poll, uh, and according to the poll, 86% of Americans think Biden, 81, is too old to serve another. My God. 86? I'll guarantee you there is not 86% of Americans who think that the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl on Sunday. (laughs) Guarantee. You could probably not get 86 to say the sky is blue. Like No chance. In a poll, that's unheard of numbers. I mean, that is... I don't... Look, for those of you who don't do this for a living, like, you'll you'll be like, yeah, of course. I mean, everybody sees with their own eyes, you know, what's happening. But we live in a very much a choose your news situation where people just choose to accept whatever reality that they've got. And they've got outlets and entertainment that sort of self-feeds all of that, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, you have such bifurcated opinions on a whole range of issues. So for 86 percent to agree on something, I mean, we're dealing fellas. That's, yeah. that's as close to consensus in the United States of America as you're ever going to have. And this poll came out after that press conference. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's confirmation of everything we're saying here. He did himself no favors. In fact, he he made the situation dramatically worse. It's probably and I didn't see I didn't see well, on this poll exactly what the dates are, but I'm guessing they probably only had like one or two days of polling because it was Thursday, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing he did it late Thursday. You're probably not getting any East Coast calls after that. If they're going live with it on a Sunday, you maybe get a day and a half of part of the country on that opinion. So, like, (laughs) it's probably worse is my point. It's like after that, it's I mean, you could be in the low 90s. Right. Well, 
here's the other thing. We got a lot of listeners who are like, he's already so bad. How could it possibly get any worse? And we're talking about the numbers mm-hmm. and, and how, and, you know, maybe it goes from the mid eighties to the low nineties, but a lot of people listening to our show are like, already knew he couldn't put a sentence together. <laughs> yep. Already knew he was incapable of doing these things. So every time he opens his mouth, it just confirms what it is I already thought. And you said something that was very interesting to me, that people are consuming media that's in their own silo. They're they're self-selecting. And if you're wondering how it could actually get worse for Joe Biden, (laughs) if you were someone who tuned in to CNN, you witnessed Jeffrey Tubin dunking on Joe Biden. And I don't think it gets any lower. If you've got the in-house masturbator <laughs> coming after you, and, and even during I mean, that's pretty low. Even during the the disastrous press conference that he held, it was a reporter from CNN who asked him, "Why are you running? Why don't you let another Democrat run?" And to me, I mean, that's stunning. Yeah, that it, I mean, if there is no greater sign of the widespread recognition of what an issue this is for him, when CNN is asking the question, I mean, why are you doing this, dude? Well, because Democrats are panicking, right? I mean, look, let's see just a couple, just to give you an idea of what we're, in case you missed the press conference, can we can we play just a couple of clips? Clip one, uh, Spaghetti. Watch me. Watch Many me. American people have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. That is not the judgment concerns. of the press. Listen, Dad, you've gotten old. I don't know if you need to drive anymore. That is your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm 97. <laughs> it's familiar you have no territory. Right. It, it's exactly what like Americans across this country have experienced in families. So that's the other thing is when they try to pull the wool over everyone's eyes, like, oh, this isn't the situation that every family in this country has seen. You know, grandparents have gotten too old. It's not safe for them to drive and such. You know, when they don't want to kind of accept the reality that comes with that advanced age. Everyone has seen this situation a yeah. thousand times. But now the stakes are not, okay, is grandpa <laughs> capable of driving? It's can grandpa have the nuclear football if if he thinks like world leaders are dead, he's seeing ghosts. Where's Jackie? Well it's all it's all it's all I mean to, to, to your point. Stand up, Chuck. Yeah, it's gotten real tough. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Zbiotics. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently come in and record Ruthless without worry. Super Bowl Sunday is right around the corner. Because of Z-Biotics, I'm confident I can enjoy the game without worrying about how productive I'll be at work come Monday morning. Go to zbiotics.com ruthless to get 15% off your first order when you use Ruthless at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So remember, 
head to zbiotics.com slash ruthless and use the code ruthless at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. To your point, though, it's all just a ridiculous proposition. Like, yes, there would be a very real conversation about dad with his car keys. Yes, there would be a very real conversation about whether dad should live in an assisted living facility. No, there should never be a national conversation about whether or not the guy that you're watching live and in person should have all of America's strategic interests at the tip of his fingers. Like, of course not. Of course not. The fact that we're having this conversation is completely absurd, right? Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, and the way he sort of flashes anger yeah, um, is pretty incredible as well. Like, this guy is quick to anger, and part of that is just when you start to lose your mental yep. faculties, you know, pe- they lash out. People lash out. And it's like, I love how he says, that's your judgment. It's like, Grandpa, you ran the car into the garage door. Like, we all saw that. Like, that happened. Give me your keys. And he's acting like there's no evidence. We just read you a poll that 86% of Americans think think he's too old. You're too old. Like, that's just not something you can be happening upon. Right. That's not a bad news cycle. Yeah. That is built over time. And what people are seeing on their television sets and in their newspapers and however they consume information like that's this is now a solidified opinion but i mean he he, he he affirmed that opinion in the press conference itself let's play the uh egypt mexico clip. oh jesus yeah clip two please spaghetti. i think that uh as you know initially the president of mexico sisi did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. Well, listen, I have no doubt that at some point he had a conversation with the president of Mexico about opening the gate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's a kernel of truth in this. <laughs> but when you're dealing with a press conference exclusively about Gaza and Israel, uh... Feels like maybe that uh, I some precision from the commander in chief mm-hmm. is uh, maybe something you'd be interested in. Yeah, that was wasn't that when he walked back. That was yeah. after he he didn't have to do this. <laughs> I mean, that's the theme. He didn't have to do any of this. He didn't have to run. He didn't have to do any of this. And to come back for more and just he's like, I'm going to dig even deeper, guys. He looks at his staff and he's like, yeah, you guys want to give me a hard time after how I blew it in the first half? Uh-uh. Wait till you see the second. It's about to get a lot worse because that's what that that confusion right there of Mexico and Egypt, like Duncan described, that is the proof mm-hmm. that like before everyone's eyes, you have it right there. It, 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 it's clear as day. It's now it's it's a problem. And look, look, you don't even have to know who the president of Mexico is. You don't have to have any of the context of the war in Gaza. Correct. You just watch his delivery of that. As he sort of like mumbles his way through it, and it's demonstrably true that the guy is has failing mental faculties, and he's too old. He's too old. That's the thing is like like, like th- that. That's how you get to eighty six percent, right? Because people who aren't necessarily as tuned into politics as us, our listeners, you know, someone who's just trying to watch the news. 
they get that alert. Oh, the president's reserve time at 8 p.m. national address. Okay, this might be something yeah, important. Maybe we're going in. You're, you're classic swing voter, right? Not right. completely committed to a side. So they haven't seen years of, of Biden, you know, mistakes leading up to this. If they have only seen that, their takeaway is like, holy shit. The audio doesn't even need to be on. Just the visual is so bad. He's it's looking so bad. down. He's not making eye. Like, you could be at an airport bar, which I know is like the only place these <laughs> people are watching that CNN stuff. But uh, you wouldn't even have to have the audio on. You no. would just look at the visual and be like, this guy's too old. Be like, my God, what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, so all of this was arose when a public report from Robert Hur, a special counsel investigating. President Biden mm -hmm. had taken depositions from, and this is dealing with the classified documents that he had in his possession in several different places, including his garage. And the primary reason behind not moving forward in a prosecution was that the president had diminished capacity. And he outlined several different ways, including not knowing exactly when his son Bo had passed away, like key dates, big, big pieces of this that were, you know. The years in which he was vice president. Extremely disturbing. Yeah. Right? And so he says basically that this guy couldn't have intent on a whole range of issues because he doesn't know. He doesn't he know. Doesn't know. Which, uh, that's why the press conference happened, because they were so irritated by that mm -hmm. that they wanted to put the president out to put that to bed, that he had capacity, and they made it worse. But the underlying issue here still remains because they rushed out on Sunday a whole bunch of surrogates, yeah. including the president's counsel, Bauer, uh, Mitch Landrieu, a former New Orleans mayor who's now you know sort of a spokesman within the Biden administration, and others to say, like, this was completely ridiculous for a special counsel put that in documents. The president's on the top of his game, yada, yada, yada. I mean, we all know that's not true. But, like, I don't understand how in the midst of the last four years where we dealt with the Trump presidency and having to release transcripts as they're dealing with Ukrainian calls and release, you know, all kinds of transparency that the administration had, had dealt with you know, what contacts they had from Russia, all of which that panned out to be absolutely nothing. How we're in a situation where, okay, you guys don't, you guys think he's lying. We'll release the transcript of that then. Yeah. Surely there's audio of those depositions. Like, I'm sure the Department of Justice does not make it a practice to release anything in charges they're not bringing because that's not, you know, that's not justice. You're just smearing somebody. You're not, but... If the White House acquiesced to it, if the White House said, okay, uh, we disagree with the characterization of the prosecutor here, we'd like you to release the transcript from which he's basing this opinion. Yeah, let's see how good he so looks. So one of two things happens. One of two things happens. Either, one, they're right. And it was mischaracterized. And the president was on his game. In which case, he's now going to be charged with a crime. Yeah. Right. Because that's the primary justification of not charging him with a crime in the first place mm -hmm. is all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Second is he's right. And the president's unfit for office. So which one would you want? Right. It's kind of a pickle. there. Which one do you want to pick? <laughs> White House? Just I mean, I, this is what Republicans ought to say. Right. They ought to say, 
let's see the transcript then. Yes. If there's an audio recording, let's subpoena the audio recording and make sure that we have a perfect understanding. I don't even care if you do it in in the skiff. If you do it, you know, out of the public eyes first, just for members of committees to understand, because one of two things is the truth. And if you get a whole bunch of Democrats that come out and say, like, no, 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 he's totally fit to serve. All right. Fantastic, Merrick. I guess the bet is made here. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned doing it in the skiff, and for people who are listening to the show that may not know that term, that's, that is the uh, room where members of Congress who have uh, intelligence clearance can go in without their iPhones, and they can hear something or read something that's not going to become publicly available. You, do these, you, you use that room for issues and, and matters of national security. And it strikes me that this is a, mat a matter of national security. It is a matter of national security, particularly because we're talking about not just the, the competency of a president of the United States, which is inherently a national security matter, but the actual documents that he's talking about have been revealed to, to include things about like Afghanistan plans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is literally the principal reason for the investigation in the first place. If they weren't classified documents dealing with national security, then we wouldn't have be, this discussion would be moot. Mm -hmm. And and I'd been having some discussions with some folks over the weekend. I've been doing a lot of reading on this, and uh, I, I I've seen some ramblings that there's video of of this entire sit down that he had. If the Biden campaign, if if the Biden administration wants to show, you know, oh he's full of life, he's ready to go, just release the video. Yeah, put it online. The American people deserve to know. You know, it'd be great to have our elected officials in a skiff see it, but the American people deserve to see it. They do, He's but He's on I the ballot. We're the, we'd be people who need to make the decision if he gets another shot. Put the video up. I, listen, I think in a perfect world, that, that's what I want to have happen. But even if you're concerned about that because of the nature of the conversation, you got to have at least elected representatives lay eyes on it because you've got an entire White House that is saying what happened didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you're having a special prosecutor, which, by the way, nobody has ever alleged prior to this has ever been anything but totally forthright mm -hmm. on two diametrically opposite sides of a matter of national security and whether a president of the United States deserves to be charged. I mean, and, and that's, that's I mean, there's just so much the cleanup effort after this has been just as botched terrible. as the press conference. So, I mean. You know, folks have brought up the level of hypocrisy here where now you've got Democrats come out and saying, this is a partisan special counsel. This guy's a scumbag. Yeah. He's, a, he, he's, a, he's a Republican. He's out to do a hit job. I was told that, like, you have to respect my norms and that this is an <laughs> attack on democracy if you say anything about special. They were very quick to do that. And directly, news reports were coming out. Here's how the Biden administration plans to attack the special prosecutor. Like, point blank, that's the administration's yeah. game plan is attack the special prosecutor. Don't try to disprove this guy's tool to function because the American people saw that truth for themselves. <laughs> mm. I, I, I got to read this quote from uh, uh, Bob Bauer, who's Biden's uh, personal counsel. He was on uh, Face the Nation this weekend, and he said uh, that Biden does not uh, have any uh, memory problems. The quote here is, there were a couple occasions where uh, when the special counsel who had flagged at the beginning that sometimes he asks imprecise questions, asked questions that the president picked apart as a matter of logic. <laughs> like he was, he was running circles around the, the prosecutor. If, if, if that happened, yeah. And I've known, like uh, Joe Biden's not a friend, but I was in the Senate for a long time, and I've watched him in committee hearings for a long time. If he picked something apart as a matter of logic, it will be the first time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just 
It's just preposterous. Yes. They're making it sound like he's Stephen Hawking. Yeah. You know, like, he may not look like much, but man, when you get under the surface, he's going to be able to tell you about relativity. He's yeah. a regular F. Lee Bailey in the right. courtroom. Let me just tell you. They're pulling out every single stop they can because Thursday night was a disaster that made Paul Begala wet his bed. And, and, that, and that's... <laughs> Democrats are terrified with this guy at the top of the ticket. And I think that we are as close as ever to the moment when Democrats say we're picking somebody different. And, I really do. And like you said, they're, they're, they're pulling out all the stops. They're trying every possible angle with attacking the special prosecutor or trying to make this an emotional thing. You had doctor, physician Jill Biden uh, come out and, and, and with a statement saying that uh, this is one of the quotes. I hope you can imagine how it felt to read that attack, not just as Joe's wife, but as Bo's mother. So, to, first <laughs> off, I hope you can imagine what it felt like to read that attack mm -hmm. as Bo's mother. Number one, she's not Bo's mother. <laughs> if you want to try to make this a personal thing, well, like Jill's ex-husband said that actually she was having an affair with, with Joe when he was married to Bo's mother. <laughs> Right. So, like, don't try to play this shit. This is not the Biden family is the last family that can try to play this family shit. They've got stripper babies. They won't let to have their last name or give Secret Service protection to. Right. Stripper. Like, let's be real. Don't try to play like this is, you know, like a, a, a nice but normal smug, family. They've got smug, their own problems. Don't play that card. Smug, Biden tweeted a picture of him and the boys throwing around the pigskin on their <laughs> front lawn <laughs> yesterday. And, about... and, and here's the thing. So you're for, telling me they're not normal for her to try to be like. How dare this like political attack exist using Bo's death? And do you know where this statement came from? Hmm. It came from a fundraising email from the campaign. There's a donate button at mm. the bottom of this. Are you kidding? Oh, I am dead come serious. On. Yeah. Jeez. Come on. This is from a donate email. Jeez. Well, look, if you are scumbag people. If you're a Democrat, there are few places of refuge quite like the New York Times editorial page. <laughs> there are many things that you may undergo in the process of public life that are uh, positively indefensible, but you have one mainstay, someone really holding it down. It's the New York Times editorial page. They all argue on behalf, straight face, of completely indefensible policy, mm -hmm. of uh, don't believe your lying eyes, basically. This is now a bridge too far for the New York Times editorial page. They have said <laughs> that this is a dark moment for President Biden's presidency. Uh, they said that the Biden's performance at his news conference on Thursday night was intended to, to assure the public that his memory is fine and argue that Mr. Herr was out of line. This is not what happened. The opinion piece said the president raised more questions about his cognitive sharpness and temperament as he delivered mm. emotional and snappish retorts in a moment when people were looking for steady, even, and capable responses to fair questions about his fitness. Should have pulled the plug on that malt box. I mean, my lord. I mean, they go on to say that they've got he's got a manifestly unfit opponent in Donald Trump, but they still, I mean, that was like the way of getting back halfway what, what can of worms they had opened in the rest of the editorial. You could imagine what news it is to, to the progressive... Uh, Chablis, chilled Chablis drinkers of the left and, and right coast 
that the New York Times editorial page has seen enough. You hang out with them, Ashbrook. What were they thinking? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> even now, even I don't don't uh, cross every single bridge. But this this is the problem for the Democratic Party. You know, they raised the stakes of all of this. If they're going to say that Donald Trump is uniquely unfit to serve, that he's a existential threat to democracy, and at the same time defend Joe Biden as the best guy to take him on, they've created that anxiety within their own Democratic base, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's why half the party doesn't want Joe Biden to be the nominee. It's like, if you're going to say the stakes are that high, you can't wheel out crotchety grandpa <laughs> and be like, this is the guy, this is our guy, our best shot. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, so that's where their base is. And I think that's why you're seeing this now at the New York Times is like the base and the chattering classes. They all bought it. They bought it. They think Donald Trump is unfit. Here's, you can't do this. Here's here's another question for you guys. What do you think Democrats reaction to the Kennedy can commercial during the Super Bowl was? I mean, it, it caught me by surprise. You hear the music and you're like, oh, yeah, I heard that. I remember hearing that when I was in high school in, in history class. And all of a sudden, it's Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy. You talk to Democrats, they are terrified of Robert Kennedy being on the ballot in a lot of these states because he could potentially be a protest vote for somebody who thinks that Joe Biden is unfit and they can't look their friends in the eye and say, yeah, I voted for a guy who's incapable of holding a press conference. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, I I think that's right. I think that's right. But the good news is for Democrats, guys, the really good news is all is not lost. Oh. Uh, because of Robert Kennedy. Well, no. <laughs> Kamala has told the Wall oh. Street Journal that okay. she is, quote unquote, ready to serve. She, yeah. She's ready. She's ready to serve. I mean, and now they're like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> She's the only person in America who polls worse than Joe Biden. <laughs> it is. It, 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 it is the greatest insurance policy Biden did selecting her. A hundred percent. You know, the only way he can keep everybody in the tent is like, Hey, you get rid of me, you got her. Yeah, look at the backup. Yeah, That's good God. Take. That was his like last cognizant thought, like with his final yeah. brain cell. Yeah. He was like, to save myself, I'll pick Kamala because no matter what happens, she'd be worse. And it was poof. <laughs> then he lost all capability. He's like, before I go, this is one thing to make sure they can't get rid of me. Meanwhile, uh, Axios is reporting that there's turmoil within the White House. Oh, no. Uh, Biden staffers open up about the verbal abuse and infighting within the White House staff. Uh, this is according to Alex Thompson. Uh, aboard F, uh, Air Force One en route to the border last year, Biden sat at the head of the table and exploded with a fury at his immigration team, demanding obscure data points and venting when his staff didn't have them. Biden's fury subsided and aides scrambled for the info of people in the meeting later told others in frustration that Biden's winding process and irritability were making it more difficult to reach tough decisions. (laughs) The previously unreported Air Force One meeting was recounted by three people familiar with it. Biden's blow up in the aftermath are emblematic of the Biden administration's struggle with the border crisis over the last three years, which was plagued with infighting, blame shifting and indecision. After a unaccompanied uh, children crisis in early 2021, Susan Rice became a central figure in Biden's border policy. You'll remember her back from the Obama days. Uh, He graciously introduced the American people to this particular individual. And it's always great because like this continues the whole theme of 
Obama's like, Joe, you idiot. And like Obama alum will show up and be like, this guy's an idiot. You're seeing it on the campaign happening the same way of like these Biden people are morons. Let, let the adults come back to take care of the supposed adults. <laughs> right. But she also clashed immediately with another official, uh, especially Javier Becerra, uh, who she referred to as a quote unquote bitch ass. Hmm. <laughs> so here, here's here's one piece of perspective. <laughs> a bitch ass. Well, she's not wrong. <laughs> she she was she's also W2EF, we love Susan Rice now. Hey, you know, broken clock. Rewind, rewind, rewind three and a half years. Susan Rice was mentioned on the short list of potential VP uh, selections for Biden. She's a, she is a rival of Kamala Harris. So totally. anytime you yeah. see Susan Rice being drugged through the mud in the mainstream press, you should think maybe Kamala's people are the source. Dude, mm. that's a possibility. Right inside. Fascinating. Yeah. Very. Yeah, right on and by the way, by the way, there. by the way, this little piece of color that Susan Rice is a central figure in Biden's border policy, get out of here. Who would care about Susan Rice on the border policy, right? Only Kamala Harris team. Yeah, who, who, who's who is, like, we're not the border czar, but you know who is a central figure? Right. Mm. That is good stuff. You only get See, in a variety wow. program. See, Smug, this right. is why he hangs out with the liberal journals. Can you believe it? Look at that. They don't even know. Intel. In their midst. In their midst. <laughs> Listen to that. That's right. why he does it, to share it all with you. And, and this next part was hilarious, too. It said, during one meeting when Biden was tearing into Becerra, Rice passed Mayorkas a note that read, quote, don't save him, according to two <laughs> people familiar with the meeting. So this is this is essentially like... <laughs> Mean Girls is going on while they're trying to figure out how to fix the border mess. Like, you've got all these people whose job it is just close the border, man. Just close the border. That's all you got to do. Like, the president can have executive orders. It's been done before. It's been effective before. How are these guys going to tackle it? They're they're in meetings calling each other bitch asses and passing notes. <laughs> right. Like, yo, this dude's a bitch ass. Don't help him out. Bitch Why? He's a bitch ass. This is, the, this is the adults in the room. We were promised the adults are back in charge. The border's wide open while all the folks who are supposed to be watching it are like, Yo, he's a bitch ass. Pass it on. You know, like, well, I mean, are this you for is real? The, listen, this is what kind of thing that happens when you have weekend at Bernie's running the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? Right. It's right. It, it, it truly is. It and, genuinely And is. like all these, like this theme I saw a number of times come out. I think some of this staff that's, you know, talking to these reporters that says like, according to three staff members, he gets mad when it gets dark and whatever. So I, I, I started looking. <laughs> it gets dark. Yeah. When, I, when the I, I shows like, are up, when Jeopardy's concluded. Yeah. Why I oughta? So I was like, is this guy a gremlin that like you don't feed him after dark? He freaks out or whatever. But then I Googled like these symptoms and it, uh, the Mayo Clinic says, this could be some things, you know, effects surrounding dementia. It's called sundowning. <laughs> the term sundowning refers to a state of confusion occurring in the late afternoon and lasting into the night. Sundowning can cause different behaviors such as confusion. Anxiety, aggression, or ignoring directions. What did Joe Biden do at that press conference? He was confused. He couldn't tell the difference between Mexico or Egypt, mm. right? He had anxiety. You could see he was worried and freaking out. When he, he wouldn't let journalists finish questions yep. before he, he, he tried jumping on them. Aggression. I mean, he flipped out on every journal in that room. Ignoring directions. When the staff is like, like trying to wave him in like a jet, like just come to the door. Follow the light. Follow the light, Joe. Just come to us. He turns right back around. <laughs> this is sundown. And the press conference occurred 8 p.m. Hmm. There it is. There it is. Sundown, you better <laughs> take care. <laughs> this is, this is exactly it. I mean, amazing, right? Just amazing. Anyway, all right. So that's the whole Joe Biden situation. Uh, I want to first 
say a big thank you to the people at Washington and Lee for including us in their mock con. Uh, they had a mock convention that's historical, both in terms of its accuracy and predicting who a Republican nomination would ultimately be when they're out of power. But but just it, it has to be seen to be believed in many ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a this is massive. A, this is a massive event with really important, incredible folks that come down there. I mean, we met Governor Kemp on his way out. Governor Yunkin was there. Governor Yunkin. Yeah. Kemp uh, mm-hmm. in particular. What a, what a, just a fantastic And President guy. Trump uh, videoed in with a message that was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Terrific video message. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, so, Ray, Billy Ray Cyrus was there. That's right. Did you, did, did you manage to have a conversation with I Billy didn't Ray? talk to him. He was warming up the whole time we were there. He was getting ready to sing Achy Break Your Heart. I think he, I think he practiced it three or four times. We heard him tuning up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Troy Aikman. Yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. There. We had the the opportunity to say a few words with him, get his take on the Super Bowl. It was pretty good. I mean, the whole thing was fantastic Excellent. and well executed. Those folks, those kids, did an amazing job. Really, really good job, and that's uh, available. Yeah, you online. know what? It was it was entirely assembled and executed by college students. Exactly. And if you were there, you would have never guessed. No. You you would have no. thought that this is that, that these were twenty year pros who put this thing together. And they were all I, like, "You really got to tip the cap to these." Totally, guys. it was incredible, outstanding job by those folks. Yeah, uh, we're gonna play a game we played once here before. Smug was not here the first time we did it, called Hard Pivot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear it the first time, it is a fantastic game. I'll explain the rules as we get into it. I'm excited. We're going to talk a little bit about a Senate map because this is a very bad one for Senate Democrats, the worst that I've seen in two decades of doing this. And it got a lot worse at the end of last week. We'll illuminate a little bit of that for you. And then we got some animal news and some stuff here at the end before we sign off that you'll all love. But first, to hard pivot. Because we like to, you know, there's oh, a little the, variety. Okay. okay. There's variety. In Let, let's get right to Let it. Let me just explain a little bit okay. about the way this works. We have always been great admirers in politics about uh, particularly effective politicians being able to deliver whatever message <clears throat> they're supposed to deliver regardless of the question that's answered. And when you see the whole thing on video, it is <laughs> jarring uh, disconnection, right? But but they say what it is that they intend to say, regardless of what the question is, and it takes a special skill set to do it. And so what we've done is set up a situation where I am going to, as a journalist, ask a question of both Duncan and Ashbrook. Now, prior to me doing that, Smug is going to give them the answer that they're going to provide in the context of how I have asked this question, yeah. no matter what. The, so p- he, the pivot of what we have to get to, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, you know how, so he's how, like the press secretary. Yeah. Okay. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be telling Ashbrook and Duncan who they're going to be playing and exactly what idea they need to pivot to, no matter what question they are asked. No, no matter, matter what. what. They, they need to answer the question based on the talking points that the, pre- that the comms director here okay. has delivered. Okay, so let me just, just to make sure, yeah. you're the journo, you're asking the I'm question. I'm also the judge and jury. Mm-hmm. Journo, judge, and jury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smug is the comms director coming in to tell his boss, sir, you're going to be asked about X, you really need to wedge in Y. Yes. Okay. okay. That's exactly right. And okay. then, for, for, for bonus points, you don't have to go for this. You want to first nail that for sure. But for bonus points... 
you can plug something as <laughs> as all elected officials love to do. Whether like, like wait, like your well, like so website? for example, let me just tell you, like uh, you'll be watching a Fox interview, and you'll hear someone do just a terribly disjointed answer. Uh, trying to push in their talking points into whatever the question, what was asked. And at the end, they'll be like, for more information on that, go to my website at yep. that mm, that yep. com. Yeah. Right? Or something like that. Uh, so that that's the bonus point opportunity that I will be judging here. And you will get that. I'll, I'll hand it to you in a, a secure <clears throat> Okay, so here's my final question. Do Are you asking the same question, and are we supposed to I wedge not. in the same nope. issue? You okay. are going to be two different politicians okay. coming okay. from two different perspectives okay. with two different questions, two different pivots, mm. and two different plugs. Okay. Got it. Okay? And I will be the sole judge and jury yeah. of this. And we're not supposed to laugh or anything. You I can mean, do, you know, I mean, like, listen, I think this is going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. It gets a little anxiety. You know, this is... <laughs> Really unscripted. <laughs> this is the best part about this. I can't wait. I hope we play this with more frequency because yeah, I want to participate at some point. Okay, so, Ashbrook, you are going to be playing the role of a moderate Republican state rep from Virginia. Hmm, okay. You need to pivot to the importance of allocating more money to upgrade the Wi-Fi on the Acela train between D.C. and New York. <laughs> okay. And... Okay. Here's your bonus That's the bonus. I'm passing it, it to him. Where do I read the bonus? Well, Not I, out loud. You can take a look I, I at it. I think you can take a look at it. Just know it's in there for you. And then and then I will give you the question as the journal in a press conference here. But remember, you want to pivot to the importance of allocating more money to upgrade the Wi-Fi on the <laughs> teletrain between D.C. and New York. It's just an amazing. Okay. okay. Representative, are you uh, are you ready? Sure. Go ahead. Thanks Tuck, for having me. Tucker Carlson has received a lot of blowback for interviewing Vladimir Putin. Do you think it's ethical for anyone to sit down with a dictator? Uh, I appreciate the question. And what I would say to you is that there's a long history in American journalism of interviewing a variety of people. And, you know, I am, uh, as a moderate Republican, I don't agree with everything that Tucker Carlson says on a daily basis. But I do respect uh, the freedom of the press. And um, I do not uh, appreciate, uh, of course, um, what Putin is saying about our country. I think he's a terrible dictator. And I think that he's someone that we need to continue to fight back against. Uh, and the people who are fighting back against Putin are people in everyday life. And if you are somebody who is working every single day to push back against that kind of hate, you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous as a communications director very, very, for this modern Republican state rep. I'm worried. You need Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> you need Wi-Fi service, and you need it everywhere. You can get it, <laughs> especially on train rides from New York to Virginia. <laughs> and as people come down from New York to Virginia, they're coming to influence our politics. And what they need is the ability to push back against situations like we're seeing there. And again, I support the I support the freedom of the press, but I also support the freedom of the people to stand up. People will not have freedom if they don't have the ability to speak out using their Wi-Fi. And that is also why I'm I'm encouraging people to read my new book entitled 
patriotism how to wave the flag properly. <laughs> it's something you can't you can't do without Wi-Fi or freedom. Thank you very much, Representative. <clears throat> okay. Doug, <clears throat> I'm now sorry. I, I blew it. I, I, I just couldn't. It's very funny. I, I really thought you'd be a ringer at this, too, I couldn't man. keep a straight face. It's very hard. Ah. The, All right. The pivot was just, it killed And that was me. such an easy one, too. I would have I knocked that out of the park. All right. Duncan, you are a squad-aligned Dem House member. Now, you need to pivot to reducing methane emissions from livestock to combat global warming. All right. And then this, in a secure envelope, is your bonus points. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you've got the topic. You've got your bonus points. Reminder: It's the pivot is to reducing methane emissions from livestock to combat global warming. Congressman, are you ready for the question? Yes. After watching that press conference last week, is Biden simply too old to continue as president? Thank you for the question. I think it's an an important question. Is Biden too old? Is Donald Trump too old? Well, I know that for young Americans who are thinking about the future of our country and the climate, they're both too old. They're not going to be around for an ever-warming world that they're leaving for the rest of us. You know, it's funny. I actually talked about it recently on uh, my podcast um, pronouns and land acknowledgements. <laughs> and I think if we don't get something uh, through Congress this year to curb methane emissions from cows and uh, our broader agricultural industry, then um, you know, we're not going to have a world to live in. Again, um, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can get it. That's Pronouns and land acknowledgments we publish twice a week. Thank you. Wow. I mean, I don't know how much judging you have to I do. Want, there. I, I want an extra bonus point because I changed the name. He did. He changed the name. Um, of the podcast because I, I, I like pronouns and land acknowledgments. <laughs> oh, the, original, the original was um, the progressive pillow fort. Safe spaces and policy places. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. So, listen, I think this one's pretty easy. I think I think Duncan's going to be the champion on that. Thank you. Generally speaking, I, I would deduct a point for the not going with the specific name, Do although I appreciate the creativity. I just, I want a little razzle-dazzle. <laughs> that was, I mean, wow. I, could, I couldn't keep a straight face. I feel like that sunk me. I mean, that is a very he hard... Was, he was doing so well, I gotta, I gotta take a little bit of uh, the blame there because I turned and we made eye contact, <laughs> and that's that's when he lost it. <laughs> I couldn't, for both of them, it just fantastic. What a great game. Great game. Hard pivot this round, it goes to Michael Duncan. Congratulations. Thank you. Great Congratulations. Game. All right, so on to real stuff here, the Senate map. There was a very big announcement late in the week, last week, on Friday afternoon, uh, right as uh, Joe Biden was confronting the obvious problems that he had created for himself on Thursday evening uh, that made things so much worse. 
for Democrats. And what happened was that Larry Hogan, a former very popular governor of Maryland, who had previously eschewed all entreaties from Republicans to try to get him for, to run for Senate, decided to make a run. And this is something that had been months in the making. He'd been considering it. Is somebody who has never left the public sphere in an awful lot of way. Like he's got his own views. They very much are a map out to the Maryland public. Like just to give you an example, this is a guy who is winning re-election by huge margins at the same time that Trump was losing by 31 and 33 in two respective elections. So the separation there is such that the vast majority of Marylanders see and understand that the, the, the attacks that they have on both Donald Trump and the Republican Party writ large just don't simply stick to this guy. Mm -hmm. Some of it is because he has got some different, uh, you know, m more, I would say, sort of central to Maryland views on a whole range of issues. But also he's just like they know him. And he did a good job as governor. And his approval rating is through the moon. Mm -hmm. Problem that Democrats have is not only that you've got a, a seat that you never thought that you would have to defend because it's a reliable Democratic seat, but because it comes in a backdrop of a Democratic incumbent in West Virginia that was the only Democrat that could have held the seat. Mm -hmm. There will be a Republican takeover on that, most likely Governor Jim Justice in West Virginia. You've got an Ohio situation with Senator Sherrod Brown, who has been living on rented time mm -hmm. in a state that has gone significantly red. Trump carried it by seven and eight. Uh, and now he is facing this in, in the context of a presidential election with a very serious candidate, either, you know, uh, one of three candidates, I guess, on the Republican side. Some, some primary needs to be litigated there. But any, any of the three can win. And then Montana, where national Republicans have recruited Tim Sheehy, who is just like an incredibly smart, attractive, young dude who's just getting into politics with a perfect match for Montana going up against Senator John Tester, who has had the good fortune of running in three consecutive Democratic wave elections as a senator. And she just got endorsed by President Trump. He did. He was just he was just endorsed by President Trump. But but, you know, look, Tester won his first election in 2006, maybe the worst election cycle for Republicans in 100 years. Mm -hmm. His second one was with Obama on the top of the ticket in 2012. Mm -hmm. And his third one was maybe the second worst Republican cycle in 100 years in 2018. Mm -hmm. and, and in 2018, just to go back to Larry Hogan for a second, he was reelected in 2018 55-43 wow. in Maryland. Wow. Yeah. That's... So, like, like, like we lost a lot of places in 2018. He won by 12, <laughs> which Trump lost the next cycle by 33. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's he, he's got a 50 point gap yeah. that he's covering in in Maryland. But if you look at at Montana, you can understand why Democrats are really concerned. About oh, yeah. That. Yeah. They also have liabilities all throughout the Midwest and West. And when you're talking about Michigan with an open seat, Wisconsin, uh, I think going to be a lot more competitive than people think. 
Nevada, obviously always a close race in the presidential year. Mm-hmm. This year is sort of shaping up. Arizona is, is in that mix as well. And then like the Dem- the Republican liabilities. Oh, and I forgot Pennsylvania with McCormick, right. Right. Mm-hmm. which, you know, on paper right now, it looks like that guy can win this regardless of what's on top of the ticket. So like all of those libraries, they're very expensive for Democrats. What he never factored in was an, a state as blue as that, as expensive as Maryland, also being on the board. They've got this David Trone cat mm-hmm. who they've recruited, who's a self-funder. He owns like Total Wine or something like that. Foley ran against him. And again, this is someone who's never run statewide before. Um, Hogan is someone who has won statewide in Maryland as a Republican multiple times. I wanted to read a couple of these numbers. So this is when Hogan left office as governor. He had a 77% approval rating in Maryland. Um, That was an 80% approval rating among Democrats, okay? And uh, 70% among unaffiliated voters. 81% 81% among black voters. How the hell does this happen? Well, it's this, a, is, a, it's this a is a Republican who cut taxes every year he's governor. It's a unicorn is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a unicorn. It's somebody who is f- the perfect ideological fit for their state. Now, Democrats are going to run a hell of a campaign against him trying to convince everybody that he's like Donald Trump 2.0 and that all the positions that he's taken as governor have somehow not his overall ideology. And they're going to try to throw millions at him. But I think that's a tough sell. I think that's a tough sell. Like Larry Hogan seems to me to be really squared away in that race. And then when you set the backdrop of the rest of the map, I mean, look, the most endangered Republican here is either Ted Cruz or Rick Scott. Mm-hmm. You got Texas or Florida, which are both. I mean, that's like that's red. it. Yeah, like feel pretty good. No, it's, it's, feel it's, really good it's, about that. It, it's a it's a great map for us. Um, I I don't know if you mentioned. I don't think you mentioned Michigan. Mike yeah, Rogers I'm is running there. Open. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's that's usually been a tough seat for us. But Rogers comes from a part of the state that is the same part of the state where Stabenow is from, where Alyssa Slotkin, the Democrat, is from. I think that we're competitive. We're competitive in these other states. We're competitive in Michigan. There's a woman named Nala Domenici who is running in New Mexico. She might make New Mexico competitive in a way that it hasn't been in a while. So Republicans are on offense across the map. And to your point about Democrats having to spread out their money, Maryland is not an inexpensive state. No, it's super expensive. They will have to spend to protect an incumbent seat that should belong to them under normal circumstances. And that's money they're not spending in Montana, in Ohio, which are states where I think if we get, you know, I I think we already win those. It's money they're not spending in Wisconsin, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Think about Tammy Baldwin who is the current senator in Wisconsin. She has a, There's a lot of controversial things in her background that haven't been fully reported yet, and Republicans have a candidate, likely this guy uh, who's a self-funder who's going to run in that state. Yeah, Havdi. So think about um, Tammy Baldwin going to Schumer and saying, look, I, you need to spend more in my state. If those conversations are happening, Republicans are winning. Yeah, listen, I mean, we're in a very, very good show. I don't ever remember a situation as dire for one party or another as it is for Democrats here with this map. But let me also just say something. Steve Daines has done a remarkable job at the senatorial committee. He has. He's done a remarkable job. The, the party, 
understandably amidst a contentious primary gets very fractious in a presidential election year. He has been able personally to work with all of the factions Mm -hmm. on a simultaneous bit where everybody knows that he's a straight shooter. He's telling them his real view, not trying to pull one over. They all trust him. And he's been able to go out and make these recruiting decisions that give Republicans the best chance to win in every one of these states. Like you heard us for a year and a half be really hard on, on the Rick Scott NRSC. That's the difference. Right. You've got somebody who's willing to put their skin in the game, go talk to everybody, not be a yes man for anyone, but go out and try to make tough decisions that ultimately they know they're accountable for in order to try to win. And that's what he's done. Like, this is a very impressive, very impressive recruiting map. I mean, there's no holes in Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. You've got candidates that are really significant in every one of these states. And if I'm a Democrat, I mean, I, I said on Twitter, I, I, I would have loved to have had a GoPro camera in Chuck Schumer's office on Friday afternoon. I bet he was thrown up in the waste paper basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because like in all the races that you went through there, they basically have to pitch a perfect game to, yeah. keep, to keep the Senate. And then you get Larry Hogan in a Maryland, something you never thought was going to happen. Yeah. And it really like, complicates things really complicates <laughs> things. i mean like a, a candidate who cracks 70 percent approval among republicans democrats independents and black voters that's a unicorn yeah it doesn't exist it doesn't exist except for one one dude who decided he's gonna do the right thing right i mean it's it's incredible first of all hats off larry really? hogan thanks to him and his team for deciding that his public service uh, is required in trying to get this country back on track because it makes an awful lot of difference in terms of what this map ultimately looks like. But anyway, along we go. Um, fellas, we've got a clip here that is uh, <laughs> uh, is from the San Francisco Standard, uh, first of all, which is a, a Waymo? Waymo? Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, Waymo? Waymos. Waymos. Way, so I'm, I'm from un, unfamiliar with these, but a robo-taxi, right? They don't have the drivers? You know, you should you should go back and visit Arizona, because to my knowledge, I, I think they're one of the only, well, clearly California, they've got these, they're self-driving cars, right? Yeah. So, like, you can get to the airport. This is Walt. I haven't experienced it. I've had buddies who've told me about it. Taken, I had a buddy, a uh, friend of the program, Bobby Charette, because you can listen to Spotify in the back of these, and he picked Ruthless, and he sent me a photo of listening to Ruthless. Oh, yeah, I saw back that. The robot car. That yep, was in back that, one of these cars? That was in back one of these. So I love the idea of these things. Evidently, uh, during a Chinatown celebration of the Chinese New Year, it became an unfavored vehicle. <coughs> can, we, can we watch clip three, please, Spaghetti? That's, <sighs> that's the vehicle. Wait, how did it start on fire? So... What happened was uh, on Saturday night. New Year fireworks going they, on. Unfortunately, it's the car. Uh, some people broke the oh, windows. Shit. Yeah, and they threw fireworks inside, setting the vehicle ablaze. The incident occurred on Jackson Street near Grant around 9 p.m. Waymo said the autonomous vehicle was not transporting any passengers at the time oh, of the incident. I mean, no I injuries so. were reported. Uh, it seems like a real shame. How are they going to get home from the riot? <laughs> For, yeah, seems again, sort of self-defeating. For the folks who, who are not subscribed on YouTube, 
that is a wild scene of you see them straight throw it into the car and it instantly catches fire it's like up like they must have thrown a ton of fireworks <laughs> a lot uh, of fireworks it was not thing. clear what prompted the crowd to set the robo taxi on fire here's the thing i'll tell you they they are clearly american and I think robo-taxis, electric cars, I think all of the above are the absolute worst thing that has developed in our economy. I, I think I, I, I understand why people want electric vehicles. I understand why people want robo-taxis. I understand capitalism. But I think that the internal combustion engine is the greatest invention of our century. And I think that human-powered transportation is more important than robot tra power transportation. And anybody who stands up to the robot revolution, I think we need to support. <laughs> well, so, so wait, wait, are you in favor of the protesters? Yeah, I, like, think, I, the think, I think every robot car should burn. So, this so <laughs> Ashbrook yet again sides with left-wing liberals, you know, coastal elitists, <laughs> his San Francisco buddies. If you, if, 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 I, I, I can meet you halfway. So I would prefer to have a, a car that is... Uh, a gas-powered car. I can tell you, when I was in Iowa, it was negative twenty degrees. The only cars on the road were the ones that ran on gas because every electric car was stuck. Right. They can't. When it's Funny. that cold, the battery, like it'll say, "Oh, you can drive for like three hundred miles." You get that thing out of the driveway. It says you've got fifty meters left. You can drive. <laughs> like they just don't work when it's that cold. So I only trust a gas engine. You but should. You should. Having the robot driver is the best that I would see, be i'm not so opposed to the amazing. robot i'm not opposed you, you, to the robot you have no driver. control over that you have no control over a robot driver yeah, nobody I, has control over a robot driver i have I, no I'm control gonna... after i've had like you know 20 to 30 bourbons right now i don't even i what? have a hard time looking at my phone god knows where i'm sending myself on uber <laughs> maybe making a dumb decision trying to go get you know a, a pizza or something across town i'm going to get lost i'm going to lose my wallet or I've got a robot car waiting for me. You, well, want a, you want a person driving the car who understands your situation. Well, I'm not sure a person would have changed this outcome. It turns out uh, one man bashed the front passenger window with a skateboard, uh, shattering the glass in which they injected the fireworks and mm. set it ablaze. Uh, it seems like maybe problematic regardless of the propulsion. Here's, here's, the, <laughs> here's the other thing. They'll remember. The robots. As he's dying, he sends you know a little email a to his buddies. He said, "This is what they did to us. Never forget. Remember my sacrifice." Right. <laughs> make make sure that guy's opioid trip quits real early on the deathbed. I mean, these people, th these robots, they'll remember this. Shit. But here's the thing: you think humanity needs to stand up to the animals? We have to stand up to the robots. I think the we can work with the robots. The only thing more than standing up to the animals is standing up to we the robots. We can work with the robots. We've got, like, you know, a, a million years of history with the with the animals, and it's never worked out. You know, it's got to be one or the other when it comes down to animals. Like, you know, when you die, a cat will eat you. Even a house cat is not safe, <laughs> right? They're always going to be your enemies no matter what. We can work with the robots. Let's work with the we robots. We need a bucket of water on every corner that you can throw on a robot that's <laughs> out of control. <laughs> Every corner. I, I love that we've opened up a new front. <laughs> this is so good. Well, I mean, let's. it's a good pivot for animal news because it turns out, according to the New York Post, a traveler tried to sneak four mummified monkeys through a Boston <laughs> airport security who was stopped by a dog. I'm told by Wolf, we don't want to see the photos of this. I want to see the photos. No. No, he said you can't see it. You can't see it. He said we would absolutely scorch the audience if we put this up mm. of what it would look like. Sure. Can, we, can we just say, like, in five seconds, the photo will air for five seconds. <laughs> no. 
I think it's so shocking. Like we you probably can... get taken off the internet. So this customs and border protection dog wasn't monkeying around. Gotta <laughs> love of New York Post. A canine with the federal agency and with a nose for the unusual sniffed out four mummified monkeys that a person was attempting to get into the United States from Africa after landing at Logan International Airport in Boston oh last month. The illegally transported deceased and dehydrated monkeys were discovered in a, inside of a suitcase on January 9th during a preliminary screaming, screening by a canine buddy uh, named Buddy. Uh, a federal department said in a news release on Friday. So Buddy alerted his handler that to a specific piece of, of luggage. The authorities questioned the passenger. It was on a Delta flight coming in from Paris on his way from the D Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. Uh, he claimed that he only had dry fish, uh, but it turns out he had some monkeys. Yeah. He had monkeys in there. Um, so, so here's the thing is, but they refer, they refer to it as, by the way, Bush meat. Well, that's the thing. It's so. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this now. I thought it may have been like this dude's like Nicolas Cage, like just stealing some mummies and stuff like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like no. I thought this what, was like some was caper. It? What was it? So Bush meat. The, the thing is that like the mummified claim isn't like you know these are from King Tut's tomb or something. Like he wrapped up some monkeys way back in the day. This okay. is like they're calling it mummified because it's just it's wrapped up corpses, right? And yeah. the intention was to eat them. So this is this is like a Congo taco. Well, yeah, God. I, so it's I like, think, like, like the like the film, you it's know, deceased and dehydrated. And look, it's important. Like when you go hiking, <laughs> you bring trail mix. When you're traveling, <laughs> if you need a snack, you don't want something that's like heavy, right? So you bring a little monkey jerky. Okay, they look well. You, they, there's they a well-known like constituency jerky. for bush meat. <laughs> oh. A lot of people like it. Huh. I'll, 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 I'll tell you right now. Look what they say. Just going to let that linger. <laughs> I couldn't. I, we, you I can't introduce a new uh, like technical term no, that's a called term. bush meat no, that, and not expect a reaction from that. Like I'm, That's a term. You it, knew this was happening, Wolf. Th that's a term. I remember during COVID... It was, it was widely discussed because of the like the wet markets, you know, where they're like, oh, the getting, Chinese wet getting, markets is where they worse. have, where they have, you, you haven't heard about these? The no, Chinese, I, 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 the Chinese yeah. wet markets where they're like, you can get pangolins. Like, you know, you, you go down through the like zoo listing and you can find it on the menu at these wet markets mm -hmm. in China. And they're, it's like monkeys are considered like birch meat as part mm -hmm. of that. <laughs> this dude was legit going to, I think we can air the photo, man. We can air the photo. <laughs> He's York, telling us we can't. The New York Post has it. We He's telling us we can't. So if anyone has seen the film Congo about the like wild, you know, the, the large monkeys with the laser guns and such, yeah, right. these look like right. those kind of monkeys. Like they, their faces are jacked up and they, you know, they look jacked up essentially like the monkeys from Congo. I mean, I can understand why a TSA guy would be like, dude, that guy's got human <laughs> yeah. skulls. Can you open the like bone wrap package with three skulls hanging out of it? <laughs> I think we got to take a look at that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, hey, I hate to put you out. Because I got my but... lunch bag? No, nah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Do you have a waiver for the bush meat? Yeah, sir. <laughs> and I like they also included a photo of the dog. Oh, Jesus. Wolf won't let us show the photo of the dog either. He said the audience is going to like oh, it. This hero, he's not going to allow that. This hero doesn't yeah. even the, the get... one who literally sniffed it out. You know, yeah, he sniffed it out. Well, I mean, there's like that's a special skill too with bush meat. Um, okay, we have second a second story on animals. Okay. Well, I can't, I don't know how you top that. Well, I mean, this is for real, though, and it's something you should all be aware on as we approach spring break. Uh, fatal shark attacks have doubled. 
mm-hmm. it last year. It's according to study finds, as we know that uh, McDaniel's a, Loves it. an arbiter of, yeah. of this c- content. Like he, he's a, checking that like the rest of us check our mail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, study finds finds that fatal shark attacks have doubled in the last 12 months, according to a concerning new report. The University of Florida's International Shark Attack File reported a rise in the overall number of unprovoked shark attacks worldwide last year. Shark experts say these findings are alarming. Mm. Yeah, people should be alarmed. They should it's ha- be alarmed. It's, it's happening. The research team suggests and that here's this where the, here's is, where the hippie bullshit comes in. Yeah, is not <clears throat> due to an increased aggression amongst white sharks. Instead, it reflects a growing number of people spending time in the ocean and a greater focus on the reporting of shark bright bites and fatalities. Bullshit. I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's that we're now reporting somebody died mm-hmm. of a shark attack that's mm-hmm. the problem? That Right, right. That's bullshit. The animal kingdom is rising up <laughs> against humanity. And I have, I have something to say about this, okay? Oh, we heard about monkey attacks. We're now hearing about shark attacks. And I think that our audience needs to know something very important. I will tell you, one if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be ready to rise and spring the alarm. We will absolutely fight, and we will defeat the animals together. Well, here's a a wise man once said, I would kill every shark if I could. And that was Donald J. Trump. He was right. You didn't have this number of shark attacks under his watch. For it to double in one year... Our borders are wide open by land and by sea. And by mm-hmm. sea. You know, they're coming in. They're murderers. Well, they're 52, not sending their best. 52% of the global total of unprovoked shark attacks happen here in these United States. Because they know, it's all across the world, they know it's open open season, open waters, open borders. It's, uh, I guess maybe we're just the most delicious. Well, we are pretty delicious, no question about it. If you see on spring break, there are many in the water that have a lot to work with. Yeah. They think we're soft. Yeah. Because they, they read the stories, just it's, like it, everybody else. It's the high fructose corn syrup. I'll, I'll tell you right now, this is a very easy solution. It's just like I suggested, mortars for the border. You have to show strength. Unleash, you know, America's greatest resource, our hunters, Let's our killers. Let's tor- torpedo these T- things. Take, take, take out boats and, and five tor- bucks a fin. Torpedo. Five bucks a fin, the problem solved in a month. Five bucks a fin. I mean, I Go would, get them. Listen, I went, on, I went on a vacation last year where we were on a beach— uh, my kids are like playing in the water, building sandcastles, as one does. And a dude, like, I don't know, 50 feet down, was long lining for like, you know, whatever those little fish that you catch off the beach are. Guy reels in like a 12 foot shark. Wow. Like a black fin, black tip shark. And I'm like, wow, that I did not know. Hmm. I mean, that changes your water behavior in a hurry, right? How did he end it? He get it back in the water. Or he what? did. Why, dude? Why? Why would you do this? Yeah. Well, See, that's one thing I don't get. It was his thing. Whenever I go fishing and they're like, "You have to put it back in," I just act like I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I took a photo. I forgot. I forgot about that one, guys. Sorry. Ooh. Ooh. We got to take him back and eat him. Anybody interested in some bush meat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's the point, dude? What's the point? He's in a free piercing? I had to work for that. Do you know how long it takes to catch one of these bastards? Oh my God. He's not going back in. He's, He's coming got, with me. I forgot about him, guys. I forgot about him. I was getting my hook out of him, and, you know, I, I totally forgot. Well, I can't believe... I mean, I watched this whole thing. They're struggling to get him ashore. Obviously, it's a huge fish. God, I would kill that shark. I'd have killed the I'm shit I'm surprised they didn't drop, like, some kind of a clubbing to the head or something. Could you know, have fit, like, you, you think as one it, does with seals. 
Wait, was it like? Yeah. But I mean, it's, a 12, it was twelve a, pounds, right? Would, would it fit in a cooler? He said twelve foot. A twelve foot twelve shark. Foot. That's, oh, twelve foot. I think it's twelve pounds. No, that, twelve that, feet. That's within. Okay. The, that's within. How the, the hell legal. did he reel that damn thing? Oh, it's, it's further than for me to smash. Yeah, How that, did he reel that damn thing? That's in? with it. Well, I mean, it took you, it forever. I mean, yeah. he was literally. I it's only noticed work. it because of the length of time that he was fighting this fit. Like I played with my kids, saw him catching this thing, kept playing with my kids, and then turned around and I was like, Jesus, he still got something. And he just reeled it. Yeah, just gave me like three dudes on harpoons like Ahab to bring. Well, this and then dude he in. had some guy long, hold and he just, the rod, and he went into the water and snatched this thing. I mean, the guy was a real angler. See, you do <laughs> you do not let that go, dude. How do you you don't yeah, throw that back? It's, it's pretty good eating. The sea has given it you is that not gift. Good you eating it. a black tip shark. No, it is not good eating. Are you kidding me? Have you, heard, have you heard of soup? If you were a shark fin soup. Now, I mean, yeah. the, the listeners yep. should know if there is a kind of sweet or sushi? soup here on the sushi? variety program. You, no. you, you enjoy that before you go back to no. shore. You don't want to eat the shark. The sweet taste of victory. No. A black fin shark is a delicacy. Bioaccumulation. While the he mercury. lives, mercury. Bro. While he lives. No. Oh, the mercury, that's all made up shit, dude. <laughs> it's in thermometers, not fish. Like, have, you ever seen like how healthy, have you ever seen how healthy Japanese people look? Yeah. It's because it's they eat. Not a single the, overweight the, person on that island it's yeah. because of the because of the shark because they're eating shark, shark fin soup that's that's the truth that's where you're going that's with the truth yeah but all those dudes like just like peel off a fin and like throw them back overboard yeah see there are lots of and options that's you don't why you don't do hear about that. the tax over there <laughs> the message is loud and clear <laughs> that's why they're not you know why your why friend fin, doesn't have a fin <laughs> find somewhere else to swim just make it clear. Ain't it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Loud and clear. Loud and clear. <laughs> Do you know why your friend doesn't have a fin? That's right. Because he got a little too close to the beach. Got too close. Now he has no fin and he sits at the bottom. <laughs> we got kids swimming here. <laughs> Warning to the rest. Warning to the rest. Well, fellas, I think we did a big reminder uh, to subscribe to the YouTube so you can see all this variety of content that we're talking about in addition to having us narrate it. Uh, and and just thank you for being a part of our community. We've had a lot of really good weeks here, a lot of really good discussion. I think, you know, we're one of the few that gives you different points of view on everything from uh, uh, bushmeat to uh, today's politics, yeah. mm -hmm. which we appreciate greatly. I think we did it, fellas. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode. Gentlemen, again, thank you so much to the Minions. A reminder, go subscribe to the YouTube. It's twice as fun with video. So, until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>